Let's commit the, the time to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for what beautiful grace you have bestowed upon us here in Singapore. That although we are so insignificant as a little red dot, you have allowed us the privilege to be the messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the region. As we observe Missions Sunday here, help us, Lord, to hear attentively, attentively to your purposes in our life. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled my uh, message, The Parable of the Four Knowers. The word knowers, of course, is not English, but I will explain why I choose this. It, it can be also called the Parable of the Four Disciples. Taking from the text, John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. If you have Bible, printed ones or digital copy, you may want to turn together with me to John chapter 1, verses 35 uh, to 51. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the ten hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be, you will be called Cephas. Which, when translated, is Peter. Verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite. In him there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than this. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of God. When you look at the, uh, as we observe Mission Sunday, uh, we must, of course, go back to the Great Commission of Jesus. If you look at the slide, the Great Commission is this, go, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. It is important for us to understand what is mission, what is God-intended mission, as we view in the Great Commissions. It is about disciples 
making disciples of all the nations. As we observe Missions Sunday, we need to be reminded, as beautiful as it is to have theological students sent from the church, missionaries sent from the church into the fields, Mission Sunday is more than just celebrating uh, their involvement in the mission field, but a reminder for all of us to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. A reminder for us that we need to go out to make disciples of all the nations. We need to be willing and dare to be a disciple. Just now we mentioned about China. Uh, one famous missionary that I would like to quote is Hudson Taylor. He said He says this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. It is a reminder for us that we have the obligation, we have the responsibility to obey the Great Commission. First to be disciple, then to make disciples of all the nations. And it's for that reason that I choose to share with you uh, the sermon, the parable of the four Noahs from the text that was read together. There are four knowers or four disciples that we pray to learn something from them as they encounter Jesus. The first disciple, Andrew, knew Jesus through hearing another's teaching. Peter knew Jesus through the influence of a family member. Philip knew Jesus through the scriptures and Nathaniel knew Jesus through a spiritual encounter. Though each knew Jesus very differently, they all received a personal touch from him. When we say about knowing Jesus, I thought to highlight to you the explanation of uh, the word know in Hebrew language and in Greek. You know, very often we are influenced by the Greco-Roman world, uh, by by the Greek uh, explanation of knowledge. We see it as something that we go and find and possess. Uh, That is very much the Greek thinking. But for the Hebrew, uh, for a a Hebrew person, knowledge is much more than that. If you look at the original word, Yada, especially from Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and then, of course, we learn a child was born. The word, New has that connotation of intimacy, a very close relationship. It means more than a head knowledge. It is really something from the heart, something that is so close, intimate. And this is something that we need to understand about knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not only from the head, but very much from the heart. Let's see from the four disciples and whether we can identify one of them similar to us. We begin with Andrew. We learn that directed, instigated by John the Baptist, his former rabbi, he and the other disciple of John went to see Jesus. And you can see an interesting and unusual conversation beginning from verses 38 to 41. You look at the conversation, Jesus asked, What are you seeking? Andrew replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus then said, Come and you will see. 
And Andrew subsequently proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah. You know, and the word Messiah mentioned only twice in New Testament and both in the Gospel of John in this context. Friends, I, I don't know, when you look at this conversation, where do you see something unusual? It is a bit very Zen-like, you know. Uh, they don't seem to be communicating with one another. Uh, if you look at it again, Jesus asked Andrew, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? Instead of replying, I'm looking for you, I'm looking for this and that, he asked Jesus, where are you staying? You know, I don't know if your friend were to reply you like that, what would you say of him, you know? And then Jesus said, come and you will see. And after a night, he proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah. I, I see Andrew representing one type of Christians. You, we may not understand the conversation, but they understood each other very well. Re Andrew represents a sincere seeker. Someone who wants to know more about Jesus in a very gen genuine way. I believe if I were to uh, interpret the conversation, it means this, you know. Jesus must be aware how and why these two came to look for him. Because the master, John the Baptist, told them, this is the Lamb of God. When Jesus asked Andrew, what are you seeking? In other words, he may be asking Andrew, are you looking for another rabbi? Are you coming to see me because John asked you to? Are you looking for uh, uh, another uh, teacher or are you looking for the Messiah? And Andrew knew that and asked, Rabbi, where are you staying? Implying this, you know, I, I would like to observe more. I would like to know more before I could reply you. And to that, Jesus openly invited him to come observe him, to experience, to encounter Jesus. And after that, he replied Jesus, you know, we are looking for the Messiah and we have found the Messiah in you. Andrew represents a type of Christian who are sincere in seeking the faith. You know, among us, we may have some of us who came to the faith similarly. You have heard about Jesus, you come to the church, you ask your friends, and there you find the Lord of your life, the Savior of your soul. Beautiful. People may not understand you, what you are doing, but the Lord clearly could understand your true search in the purpose of life. Next, we find Simon Peter. It is interesting if you read about Simon Peter in the Gospels, the four Gospels. We know him to be someone who has a lot to say, correct? Uh, the Bible tells us this, you know, even when he doesn't know what to say, he must say something. You know? And someone who is very gung-ho, you know, always wanting to show that he's better than others, holier than thou, you know. We, we could do, I could do many things, you know, Lord. I would do better than others. Very, uh, I, I thought, quite typical of Singaporean in, he, in him, you know. Uh, very kiasu, you know. Uh, very uh, wanting to uh, show off of himself. And it is unusual 
to see this, you know, that he has received the shortest coverage, although he was first among equals. Uh, and if you read carefully, for someone who liked to impress, uh, impress others about himself, he had no chance to even utter a word compared to the others. No chance to even utter a word. And when he responded readily to the gospel and came with the brother Andrew to Jesus, before he could say something, Jesus addressed him as this, you know, so you are Simon the son of Jonah. According to your NIV, you may not see such a presentation. Uh, because in the original Bible, there's no punctuation. The Bible translators have to, in, uh, to, to, to interpret and see whether to put a comma, full stop, question mark, or exclamation mark. And NIV put it, puts it as a statement. But ESV 2008 edition presented this as a question. And I believe it to be more accurate as a question, if you read carefully the rest of the uh, passage. I believe Jesus was asking Peter not to confirm his identification. Not saying, oh, just want to confirm uh, and double confirm, uh, you are Simon, son of John. I believe Jesus was asking him this, you know, do you think you know who you are? Do you think you are in control of your destiny? Do you think you are, under con you are in control of the circumstances and the situation in your life? Jesus was presenting a challenge to Peter, in fact, because of his temperament, of his character. Why do I say that? Because subsequently, he gave Peter a new name. If you read Genesis especially, the ability to name implied control over. Because when the Lord gave Adam and Eve authority over animals, they named the animals. And when God wants to change a person's destiny, He will give this person a new name. Like Abraham to Abraham. Like like. Uh, is, uh, Jacob to Israel. The beginning of a new destiny. Jesus was telling Peter, you know, today I show you who is really in control. Today I give you a destiny that cannot be determined by yourself, but from above. Peter represents maybe a type of Christian who are like him a bit gung-ho, you know. Peter is not only kyang, but ke kyang, you know, if we use a dialect to express it. But the Lord shows who is the true Lord of his life. Are we like Peter? Maybe we should learn from this encounter and be willing to surrender the sovereignty to the Lord. To allow him to determine our destiny, a better destiny than what we can achieve. Next, Philip. It's interesting that amongst the four, Philip was the only one found by Jesus. And Jesus called him explicitly, follow me. Of all the other disciples, Philip was the only one that Jesus went to look for. 
if you read the other gospel, you will, rec- you will recognize this, you know. Philip to be a simple-minded, not too enlightened individual. In fact, Leon Morris commented Philip to be a little out of his step. And yet, a simple-minded person like Philip could find Jesus in the scriptures as he proclaimed, you know, he has found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophet wrote. And I, 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 in, my minist- in my years of ministry, I've seen this, you know, very often people coming to me and say, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm still in sin, you know, I'm not qualified, I'm not well-versed, I'm not worthy of the Lord. But I bring you good news if you belong to this category of Christians like Philip. If you think you are no good enough, Jesus will come especially for you. Jesus will make his calling so explicitly clear to you. And not you looking for Jesus, but like Philip, Jesus will come to you. You know, one intelligent, in fact the most intelligent person in the New Testament has this to say. Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, Paul says this, you know, Not many were wise by human standard. But God chose what the world thinks foolish to shame the wise, what the world thinks weak to shame the strong, what is low and despised in the world, what is regarded as nothing to set aside what is regarded as something. He is the reason you have a relationship with Christ Jesus. It is not how good you are, but in His grace and His love, He comes for the unworthy. It is never how much we are worth, but how much He loves. I pray today, if you feel you, like Philip in the past many years of your life, today you will leave this place celebrating, because you are also called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Finally, we come to Nathaniel. Nathaniel, interestingly, unlike Peter who responded immediately, he had some reservation. And unlike Philip, a simple-minded person, it is a man with great spiritual depth. When Philip came to Nathaniel, his good friend, you know, to share about Jesus Christ, it is interesting to see how Nathaniel responded to him. Can anything good come from Nazareth? How can the Messiah come from this place? Because Nazareth is not an established city, nor town. It is in Singapore, in our context, we, we, must, we can use this as illustration. When someone asks, you know, where is this scholar from? From the University of Pulau Ubin. Well, no credibility really, you know. It is like this. And not only that, you know, that it was because it was Philip who brought the news to Nathaniel. Nathaniel might be thinking, you know, hey Philip, I have known you for a long time. We are friends, you know. You are so sotong, you know, you blur like sotong. Huh? You make so many mistakes in the past. How can you identify who is the Messiah? So in his mind, he has all these doubts about the, 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 the uh, introduction of uh, Jesus by Philip. And you know how did Philip respond? I think this is something that we maybe have to learn. Philip says, Ayat, come and see for yourself, lah, if he were a Singaporean. To paraphrase it, you know. But you look at the passage, he did not argue with Nathaniel. He said, 
Come and you will see. Come and you will see. Perhaps this is something we must learn, you know. Not to turn every opportunity to evangelize to a friend into a debate, theological debate. But invite them to experience and encounter Jesus. So I believe this, you know. I believe this. If you look at it, Nathaniel went with Philip, not because he was convinced when he uh, agreed to see Jesus. I believe in his mind, he might be thinking of thousand and one questions to challenge Jesus, to prove to Philip, you are wrong again, huh, Philip. But when you observe, you know, how the, uh, how the Jesus introduced himself to Philip huh, in a very unusual way, you realize, as I said earlier on, it's a spiritual encounter. The slide. You realize this, you know, when Philip went to uh, Jesus, and Jesus said this of him, Behold an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And for that, Nathaniel was very impressed. I don't believe it because it was a word of flattery. He was so impressed that he asked Jesus, if you look at original Greek, it is even more interesting. He said, from where do you know me? And Jesus replied, under the fig tree. You see, Philip, uh, Nathaniel is someone who is so conscious about location, location, location. It's like a property agent, you know. When he came to Jesus. And when Jesus told him, I saw you under the fig tree, he was so impressed that he proclaimed Jesus to be son of God, king of Israel. It is quoting Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, you know. It is a cry of Messiahship. Why did he have, why did he have a change of opinion, 180 degree, when initially wanting to prove Philip wrong, and then subsequently accepting Jesus as Messiah? I believe this to be true, you know. He was, before Philip came to him, meditating under a fig tree, and on a passage in Genesis 28, about his ancestor Jacob, how he encountered God, seeing in his dream the ladder, angels ascending and descending. And Jacob, a liar, a cheater, you know, experiencing the grace of God. And I believe he was praying about Jacob, Israel. Praying, perhaps, the restoration of Israel, which was then under Roman oppression. He was praying and perhaps interrupted by Philip. And when he approached Jesus, Jesus said, You are a true son of Israel. In you, there is no falsehood. He was already alarmed. Eh? How did he know what I was just thinking about? What I was just praying? Maybe... It was hing hing, you know, by chance. So he, he asked Jesus, from where do you know me? But Jesus confirmed that under the fig tree. I believe he might be praying to God under the fig tree about this. And only God would know his prayer. And Jesus, by proclaiming that, showed that he must be truly a son of God. He had that spiritual encounter with Jesus. You know, it's beautiful to see this, you know, that God would appear to him in such an unusual way to bring him 
to the saving knowledge of the Messiah. And Jesus to that replied, you know, saying that, Amen, Amen, I say to you, you will see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of God. And it is not about the place or about the publication. It is actually the person Jesus Christ that makes a difference. Are we able to place our faith in that person Jesus Christ? Not a place, an institution, nor a publication, but the Word who became flesh, who allowed us to see divine revelations and our encounter Him in such a personal way. Jesus is the gateway to the eternal blessing, the salvation, the redemption. I want to end by pointing this to you, that the four knowers who experienced Jesus not with head knowledge, but with that intimacy, Andrew, after being told about Jesus by John the Baptist and came to know him, would introduce his brother, his family member to Jesus Christ. Philip, who was caught by Jesus personally, would want to immediately share it with a good friend, Nathaniel. To be a disciple is to have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't need to attend a course. It is spontaneous and natural that you want to bring someone uh, to Jesus Christ. I said this early on. It's a parable of four disciples or four knowers. Actually, there is a fifth one hidden in the passage. The one who came together with Andrew to Jesus. And this person is the author of the Gospel, the son of Zebedee, John. He was not named, but we can guess enough for the details that he had. He knew what was going on. It is very probably the disciple that came with Andrew. In humility, he did not mention his name. But we know today, he has proclaimed it to the world, to the gospel that he wrote. I believe the Holy Spirit allowed this fifth disciple not to be named for a good reason. The fifth disciple could represent you and me. That if we are like the other four or the fifth, we would want to share Jesus with others. What is your response, my dear friends, to this missionary call to be disciple and to make disciples of the nation? Are we willing to obey, not as an option, but out of love and devotion to the one who loves us so? Let us pray. I invite you to spend a short moment giving your personal response to Jesus who will appear to you, minister to you in a very personal way this morning that you would be able to positively reply to Him about His invite to be his disciple. Are you willing
to tell Jesus, Here I am, send me from my own Jerusalem to the outermost part of the world. Father, we thank you that you are both the God of the church but also our personal God. That you see us as who we are. Willing to come to us in our unique situation and circumstance to call us to be a disciple. On this Missions Sunday, help us, Lord, to be like the other disciples in the passage. Not only are we willing to come under your Lordship, but spontaneously be willing to be your witnesses to our community here and to the end of the world. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name.